You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Now Jones escapes pressure, fires downfield, and it's caught! Darius Slayton! Man, this kid is awesome. Welcome to a special episode of Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Grump, it's Christmas week, not only for the Giants because it's the draft, but we actually have a guest today who might really be from the Best Damn Podcast for the Giants. Not, not just any guest, but media elite Billy Schooner. <laughs> You, you can call me. You can call me media scum. Media it's all right. <laughs> and you guys, you took my line from me. I was going to say I'm finally glad to be joining the the best damn podcast for the best damn team. Um, glad to be on. I told I told Grump I was excited for this because, and I don't say this just to say it. There's really only one Giants podcast I listen to. I, there's others I check in on because I'm a competitive person. But you guys are the one pod, the one Giants podcast. That's always in my subscribe list, and I listen to. So I'm, I'm, I'm uh, happy to be jumping on. I would, yeah, I would, I would normally think that you're lying. Yeah, that's the one guy. I told you somebody listened to us. Yeah, I'm serious though. But it's like you guys are. It's like you guys are just ha- like talking, having a conversation. It's not like dumb hot takey. And it's like you know, there's other podcasts that are very analytic. It's like I, you know, I kind of do. You know, like I just, I, I just enjoy listening to you guys more than others. Like I've tried other ones. And I listen to them from, like I said, it's not like I don't listen to any others, but you guys are the ones that I listen to the most for sure. You know, it's funny. You just said hot takey. I, I was down in Florida this week and I was listening to sports radio down there in the Tampa area, which is God awful. And I think that's the beauty of podcasts where trying to get the conversation away from guy talk, hot take, everybody parroting what they read in the paper that morning to actual real discussion and real analysis and real thought behind what people are saying and that's kind of i like the way you know the medium is going away from like sports radio gab fest to this podcast thing so we're glad right. we got, we're glad we got one of the best on today to kind of and i know we're on. talking draft i mean me and you know me and grump message a ton about you know hey what do you what do you think about this guy am i crazy for thinking this and um and occasionally we're like hey i you said this on the pod i either agree with it or disagree with it but yeah man it's it's draft week, so I'm I'm pumped to I'm pumped to talk on something other than my show. Oh yeah, and for <laughs> not that there's a single person out there who doesn't know who Bobby Skinner is, but he is the host of the Talking Giants podcast, um, sponsored by John Boy Media and some Viagra pills or something like that. Um, Blue Chew, not Vi- Blue Chew promo code Giants. They'll give you your first order for free, guys. I mean, oh, come yeah. on. You know what's actually hilarious? Wait, hold on, right this down. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I legitimately needed a new buzzer, so I went to get a Manscaped one, and I forgot what your promo code was, so I typed in John Boy, got nothing, and I was like, fuck this, and I just ordered it at full price. I didn't realize the promo code was Giants that whole time. Man, I, I, I actually hate you for that, man. Um, you could have got, got 20% off. I know. I got... I, I, I had no idea which episode was bumped by John Boy, which one was bumped by... Manscaped, so I wasn't gonna like comb through just for like a promo code, and I just was lazy and frustrated. Just DM, just DM me next time. I think Justin's pinned tweet right now is his Manscaped forty time video. So yeah, I think it might even be on there. Man, but if I'm, you do, I'm blue even blue dumber blue than I thought. I might edit this out. 
promo code giant for no this is great you yeah. guys are giving no, me please i the thought of you manscaping is making <laughs> me sick already no christmas party will ever be the same again without <laughs> promo code giants for basically everything we do all right well there's that so you know you know th- th- this is an open message to jameson to sponsor us you know as we clearly have the best ad reads right right now um I thought it was interesting. So one of the things that you guys did on Talking Giants, in addition to talking this year's draft, is you kind of did like a redraft. And I know that you wanted to revise the the format that you did it. Uh, but you kind of went through and you stayed with four Giants draft picks from last year. You felt that they got them right at the place that they got them. Well, to... Two of the ten were seventh rounders, you know, and after that, it's like it's, it's just hard to find seventh rounders and undrafted free agents. So, it was like, I mean, Tay Crowder's the easiest one, and you know, in there, like, and I, and I remember me and you talking about it last off season before Tay Crowder even played. We were like, how does this guy end up like Mister Relevant? Let alone, you know, let alone like 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 we thought he should be like a third, fourth rounder. And then I remember Georgia fans letting us know that it wasn't a character issue. I still get like notifications. I was from gonna that. say, I think I got well, one like first, a month ago. First of all, asking a Georgia fan about character issues is a waste of time. Since <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know. Um, and then Carter Coffin, I like what he's seen, but um, with the tackles with Andrew Thomas, if you told me Mekhi Becton was completely healthy, I would run. I would Mekhi Becton, but like he had three separate injuries his rookie year. You know, he had two, and then the last one doesn't get noticed. Because it was an ankle injury and it was in the last game of the season, so only play he, he just missed the last you know half of the season. Um, Worfs, um, I could I could be very wrong not taking Worfs over Thomas, um, but I was just like you know what he did play right tackle. Playing for Tom Brady is different, where it's like your bad plays are just not going to get noticed. Where you know, you know if if Tom Brady is is uh, Andrew Thomas's you know quarterback. We don't remember Andrew Thomas from that Arizona game because those sacks were so deep in the pocket and type of late. So I, I, I believed in Andrew Thomas at the time. So I, I'm sticking with my, my guns on that one, at least for one more year. And I, I know you and I were both Andrew Thomas tackle one at this time last year. Uh, and I, I, I know I did like a huge fist pump in the air when they called his name. Um, what's interesting is you know, I, I do this for fun. I don't really have like a great background in any of this. So I always like question myself when I don't see any, uh, like opinion in line with my own. And I did this with, uh, Connolly when we drafted him, I was like, all right, let me watch some film on this guy. And I was like, yo, what the hell? Why was he drafted so late? And I did it with Carter Coughlin this year too. I was like, yo, I think he might surprise some people. Like just watching his tape, he, He's got the obvious physical limitations where he's not very long and whatever for the position, but I don't know. He's putting on a show right here. It's not against scrubs either. I mean, he's playing at Minnesota. So, you know, that's that, a lot of times I'll just shoot you and be like, yo, am I nuts? Like, I, I, no one else is seeing it with this guy, but, you know. And what sucks is because, you know, we were talking, you know, at the beginning of the show how, you know, podcasts and stuff like that, it's, you know, you can find, you know, non hot takey talking heads, you know, same thing you know, everywhere, but it's also, it's first impressions now are everything, especially with an offensive line position where you don't get to see stats, you know? So Andrew Thomas had the bad first impression while Wills, Becton and Wirfs all impressed. And it's like, that is kind of just stuck on him, but it's like, you know what? It's a rookie offensive lineman. 
shouldn't we like judge them on the re- like the mo- what we've seen most recently? And if you look at the second half of the season, Thomas was like clearly better than Wills to me. And then him and Becton were very similar. I didn't watch Worfs a ton, so I, I you know, but everyone everyone that watches him says he's great. So I, I'll I'll um, concede to them. But it sucks that it's like like it's the first impression means everything. Now if Thomas comes out and dominates year two and doesn't have any issues, that will go away. But it's like when you look at Andrew Thomas's rookie year as a whole, it sucks. But if you look at it as a rookie getting better, like I'm proud of how his rookie season went. Yeah, well, let's even go. This is the theme we talk about almost every single week. It's it's a rookie that had no offseason with a coaching staff that was brand new, and he's basically thrown into the fire. So to me, you almost give these guys as close as you can to a free pass for the first year. I mean, now that we're going through a regular or as close to the regular as we're going to be, you know, offseason program, get in the strength and conditioning program, have OTAs, have – a real training camp, then we can see. I mean, everybody, everybody who was a rookie last year was just thrown in and do the best you can. And we're having an offensive line that still had a lot of work to be done. And, you know, a coaching staff is trying to get their legs and implement what they're trying to do. There's a lot of variables. So when the guy sucks in the beginning, it's it may not just be him. And, and they literally fired his offensive line coach. And, right. you know, the, you know, the, the, I, so you guys remember the whole, like, judge has been focusing on the O-line. And at first, it was like, well, how much, you know, like, is that just kind of like uh, a narrative that's being, like, spilled from the Giants to the media? But then you hear it's like, no, they were, like, fighting in practice over it. So it's like, well, no, I can give Judge credit for that. They were, like, because I, I saw, like, Jeff Schwartz being, like, there's nothing Joe Judge really could be telling them that Mark Colombo wasn't already. It's like, dude, no, he was. They were literally fighting about what technique to use. And we saw Andrew Thomas's technique totally change against Tampa, which is, you know, supposedly when Judge kind of started having his own control. And it wasn't like Joe Judge was just, you know, speaking out of his ass. I guarantee you it was DeGuglielmo who was telling him all that stuff to do. Do you like Jeff Schwartz? Uh, you, you know, I can't stand him. Okay, all right, I all can't right. stand him. But I he's doing this O-line thing, and I think it's a great idea. And he might – I bet you he does a good job with it. But just in general, I can't stand Jeff Schwartz. I think he's the worst. Okay. I, I mean – He'll say things for like three weeks straight where everything he says, I'm like, he's absolutely right. And then, then like out of nowhere, he'll say something like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I know. he's just kind of, <laughs> when, when he does his, and like a lot of people, when he does his homework on stuff, he's good. But uh, a lot, especially former athletes in the media, they can, they can tend to get lazy and rely on the I played thing. And it's like, like, like when I remember with Jeff Schwartz, when Jones came out, they're like, Jones can't be successful because he's a running QB. It's like, what the hell are you talking about? It's like, what one, NFL are you in today? <laughs> yeah, one, that's not what the like the NFL you can win like that. And two, it's like, what about Jones? Like, consists of like a running QB. He can run, but it's like it's like if anything, he needs to run, get out of the pocket a little more. Yeah. Um. All right, man. So you recently said that Micah Parsons is the best defensive player in this draft. Do you want to set the record straight on that one? <laughs> do you, what do you, where are you guys at? Dude, I agreed with you. I, I, I'm, I was kind of just kidding with this question just because the backlash you got on that in the matter of – like I, I think I finished replying to you and there were already like seven other replies on that. Tweet. Oh, yeah. You got into it with the care to concerns replies, which could be like – 
listen, if they don't take because if, if they don't take them because of their character concerns, I'm fine with that. You know, they're going to know more than we do on the outside looking in. Um, but just player wise, I you know, I I think what he does is real deal. And I went into watching him thinking like, is this guy, you know, you just have these weird preconceived notions. I'm like, is this guy overrated? You know, because I would see highlights and like he's very close to the line of scrimmage, and then I watched him I was like, oh no, this guy like destroys blocks. He's quick. He's agile. Like he he's a beast at this linebacker spot. Um, and then it's like no one would really like argue for an edge. The corners, you know, I don't think any of those guys are. And so we're talking. I mean, what do we have left? What's Safety left? is weak. Like, I, so I, I just think Parsons is the best out of this class. Obviously, you know, we're gonna look back and be wrong about a bunch of stuff, but I, yeah. I, I don't think it's a it's a hot take to think Parsons is it. I actually got way more support for that than I wanted, because people took it as me being like, "Don't go offense." I'm like, "No, I want to go offense." But if we go defense, I think Parsons is the guy. Yeah, and and I think you're right. And my thing with the character issues was that um, I think a lot of people didn't actually do their homework on his character issues. I think if you really read into it, there's less. You know, it, he got named into a lawsuit, which is. To me, that's the legit one. He's not a defendant in the lawsuit, um, but he is named, and there's you know there's specific allegations against him, and they are allegations. So like, you know, whatever. I, you've been in in a, in a high school football locker room, you know some BS that goes on, and like, what was named in there was way above and beyond, and and I get all of that. But once it became like this headline, this story you know, him being named in a lawsuit, they pulled every negative thing they could from his past, you know, and, and they, they really sensationalized like, uh, you know, what they were, you know, like he was inciting a riot in high school. Yeah. And then like, when you actually <laughs> well, read the story about that, he had just transferred to a, you know, a, a preppy high school. I, I don't think that they really ever wanted him around. He had criticized the administration for something you know, whatever. And then like, there's this incident in, in the cafeteria, nobody responds and they pretty much just forced him out. Sounds very typical high school to me. And not like something that I'm worried about him on a team, you know? Yeah. It sounds like a high school jock asshole more than it sounds like something that I need to really worry about my millions spent. Absolutely. I had worse character concerns in high school. I almost got kicked out myself. So (laughs) I know, I know, but you know what, if I look back at myself at 22 years old, I probably would have dropped in the draft because of character concerns too, though. Um, But here, I want to ask your guys' opinion on this because I do think football minds when it comes to character concerns, and De- the DeAndre Baker case is, I think, is a great example of this. Am I crazy to think that Joe Judge was probably more pissed that DeAndre Baker was missing OTAs and sleeping in meetings than being at, at barbecue with the gun? Because I really do think coaches, and I and I agree with them, like you can be a scumbag no, to a limit, obviously, and like you can be, like you can be a bad person, but if you show up, work hard, practice hard, and are like and buy into the team culture. I would rather have that than a guy who like doesn't break the law or anything, but is kind of like an asshole in the locker room and, and like divides people. I think that's kind of human nature. I mean, coaches like that, but I think ask almost every employer for every job. It's like, long as you know, if you're the McDonald's shift manager, you know, what you do when you leave the off, you know, leave the store, it's not really my problem. As long as you show up on time, you wear clean clothes, you're nice to the customers and you do your job. So I, I think that's just human nature. Um, yeah, I think, I think, you know, there's, there's one caveat to that and that's, you know, 
the NFL is like this PR machine that's like a level above you as a coach, right? So it's as long as whatever you do when you're handling your own business doesn't force you to miss my OTAs. You know what I mean? Like, I know you want to be here, but, you know, you're on the exempt list. You have an appeal pending. You can't be here, whatever. You know, obviously, that's the kind of shit they don't want you involved in. But absolutely. And for the record, for the record... if Baker, if that like if that story gets to judge and it never gets out, and because in reality, if you look back at it, essentially they rob Baker and Baker, and then we're like, you're not robbing us, and like what it seems like. So if that story got back to judge, I'm I'm sure he's not thrilled with it, but I don't think he's like stressing over it. I I but obviously it turned into something bigger, and then it became an issue. I think the the NFL I think cares based upon who you are in the league. You know, and if it's someone like DeAndre Baker who has no track record in the league, exactly. they're going to say, you know something, he's out of here. But, you know, Deshaun Watson has, what, now 97 lawsuits against him? How many does he have? Like, it, But he hasn't been suspended, hasn't been anything yet, right? So right. I, I think it's all about, you know, what, what your standing is in the league, your popularity in the league as a player, um, your value to the team and everything. So I, I – the NFL has shown hypocrisy in a million different levels for different things. So something like character, take that with a grain of salt to how they're, um, you know, how they're handling it. Right. Long story short, Parsons is a freaking baller on defense. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think Parsons is absolutely in play at eleven. I don't know. You know, they they have connections at Penn State. They know what in that lawsuit is legit and what is you know hyperbole what the lawyer said to drum up and what you know whatever so they have more insider information so if they pass on him for character concerns i i think they have probably some of the best information of any of the 32 teams to be honest so i'm totally fine if they pass on him but there's been this drum up of like taking a corner i would say in the last what week and a half two weeks uh on whether or not the giants you know have certain or horn in play at 11 um and, you know, obviously the, the resistance to that is, you know, we just signed Adoree Jackson. We have James Bradbury. We drafted Darnay Holmes last year. He looks real good. Um, you know, does that prevent us from doing any of that? Uh, what do you think? Um, I don't think it prevents us, but, I, you know, you know, we talk about, I like, I, it's, you're going to, it's going to be hard to get like a, like, you know, the, oh, what the hell reaction out of me? Cause the draft, cause, you know, as much as we take this serious and, and work hard at it, it's like we ever, we always look back and are like, look how wrong we were about this. But the whole one injury away thing at corner, I was like, I think we're kind of fine if we have an injury, you know, unless it's James Bradbury. It's like Isaac Yadam is a, is like a good backup. I like Darnay Holmes. And then you have a Dory Jackson, and James Bradbury, um, and even Julian Love can come down and play corner. And you got the safeties. You know, McKinney has some corner. You know, played some corner towards the end. So I feel like it's super deep. So I, I it's it, it will probably be the position that excites me the less. Like if they fall in love with an edge guy and get that, I know people will hate that, but I'd be like, hey, if we look back and this, you know, this could work out really well, um, and it would probably be our best player at that position, like right off rip. Where corners like and corners are slow to kind of develop too, so I, I I'm not excited for corner at all. Well, that was actually what I was gonna say is uh, you know does does a first round pick need to play right away? Is that like a broad generality for you? Because for me, 
I think that that's kind of position specific and player specific. I think that wide receiver and corner are some of the harder positions to just jump right into the NFL. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to be a good player. It just means that sometimes it takes some time to build up. I, I well, I, I think wide receiver, you can kind of play right away and make an impact. I mean, you don't have to know the entire playbook. You can get in there in your first year and, you know, run some basic, you know, patterns and stuff and be very effective. You know, I, well, yeah, it, it comes down to your coaching and, and, you know, they might scheme you into there. You know, right. here's a limited route tree. You get this handful of plays and they'll, they'll push you in and teach you a little bit along the way. But corner, I think, is really hard anyway. So, I mean, if you're looking at this, like James Bradbury may not be here in two years is it really, is it really a mistake to get somebody like Sertain or Horn? I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't think it's a mistake. I just think like, it's just for this year. And John Merritt said himself, it's time to go, you know. And it's if this team doesn't win this year, Dave Gettleman will be fired. Like it's, it's year four. You can't, you know, you can't say building anymore. Like their record has to be like, like good this year, and so. It may be the right decision, but it just doesn't seem to make sense for what where the team is at right now. Like I know well, you don't draft for you know need, but especially it's, it's we're also talking about like these wide receivers there that we love and and offensive linemen that we all love, it's, and you know those are, those are both positions that should and could be upgraded. I just like I said, I'm not going to be mad about it, but I I will that will probably get the least excitement out of me as a, as one of the corners. Is there any position group or any specific player that would make you mad? Like, like Jesus Christ, what? Why are we defensive doing this tackle? Because oh, yeah, it's like yeah. Danny Shetland's a beast. Dex, let Dexter Lawrence and like Leonard Williams go. Like Dexter Lawrence, Dexter Lawrence was a first round pick. Leonard Williams is being played over twenty mil. I don't think we should go there in the first or quarterback, quarterback and running back, obviously too. But I feel like that goes without being said. I'd be right, pretty pissed if we went safety as well. Yeah, first, that's right? true. I forget about safety because there's like you don't really hear any buzz about any of them. Um, but if they go like mid, like there's no position mid round they would, could go that would bother me, you know. But that first pick with all the guys we see there at the top, like defensive tackle, safety, like those positions would be kind of like what the what the hell are we doing? Hey, Bobby, you said we were just talking about Gettleman, and it said like, or um, I'm sorry, Mayor is like it's time. What do you think is acceptable? You know, I don't think there's a specific win number. I don't even think it's even necessarily even making the playoffs. I think there has to be some sort of – we don't want to be – like I, we say on the show all the time, like last year we were fighting for a playoff spot. We weren't a playoff team. Right. I mean, I mean what is like kind of – what do you think is the acceptable balance of the next progression for this year? I mean, is it, I would you, have, say- you have to make the playoffs or do you have to win X amount of games or do you just have to have this, the like the smell test that says – well, we look like a pretty good team now. I would say above, you know, so it's just the 17 game season. I I would say above 500 with Daniel Jones. Us feeling good about Daniel Jones. Um, now if Daniel Jones is meddling, then it's like you got to be in the playoffs and you got to be like really excited about going to the playoffs about what the defense can do and what some of the other guys on offense are doing. So, but long story short, I I do think like. It, it's time to be above 500, especially in this division. Um, you know, we're not, uh, you know, the, the, comp, the, the, the schedules, so, you know, you have the Chiefs, but it's like the Raiders, Broncos, Chargers. Those are all very winnable games in the AFC West. So, um, I mean, it's time to go win these division games and, and you know, be above 500. And I, I don't want to do like the play, I say the playoff mandate, but it kind of feels like you kind of need to, especially with seven teams making it. 
Do you think we're where we should be right now in the Gettleman era? Because we are, I think, unlike a lot of people, we are very patient with Gettleman, and we are, you know, we are obviously not hot take guys like fire him because of you know one trade four years ago or something. And we've been trying to keep level-headed and kind of balanced on, you know, we have to let this process come out, had to clean up the cap, had to, you know, rebuild draft picks and everything. Do you think we are on track behind schedule? Where, where do you see us? Um, I think it could be better. You know, I don't hate Gettleman, but I do think like, you know, three years of that record isn't great, but they did, they did, they did go for it in 2018. Um, you know, like they, they flat out did and it, and it failed. Um, and I was one of the people who was like saying, go for it. And I wasn't doing this as in depth back then, but I was like all on board, like, go for it. We are one year removed from the playoffs. We had all those injuries, like, let's go for it. And, you know, obviously I had, I had faith in Eli at the time. Um, but do, do you think, do you think that was a more of a Mara directive than a Gettleman? I'm going for it. I think I it was ever- both, you know, like I, I like, I don't think Mara like told them draft Barkley. I do think Gettleman wanted Barkley. Um, and I, I, I think he believed they could win from there, but it's hard to tell. Um, and you'll never get a straight answer from them when you ask them. Um, but I, I view 2019. I like the, you know, I like 2019, what he did, not in love with it, but I like what he did 2019. And I like Jones more than most. I do think Pat Shermer got scapegoated for some of Gettleman's issues where it's like that defense was devoid of talent. I don't know who brought in Betcher, whether it was Shermer or Gettleman. And I, in fact, that was my biggest critique of Shermer was, I love what you do on offense. I think some of the stuff people say about you is way overblown, but you are the head coach. Like you need to get control of your defense. You know, you, you can't just be an offensive coordinator. Um, but 2020, like the 2020 offseason was wonderful. And then so far we really like this one. You will see how everything plays out. But since Joe judge came in, I feel great. And I don't think it's just all Joe judge doing it either, by the way, yeah. this idea that it's no, like up oh, Gettleman's in the back seat, and they just handed the keys over to Joe Judge. He plays a role in it. A first year head coach, yeah. All of who never coach on who never coach on any level. All of a sudden, we're gonna give you the keys to the car and you go drive it for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that is that that has been a funny thing. Is like everything that's good is Joe Judge, and everything that's bad is Dave Gettleman. Like, like I bet you, you know, Joe Judge had. And I didn't, you know, the Booker signing, like, that gets brought up a lot. But I was like, I bet you Joe Judge had a, a pretty good hand in that. Uh, and I'm pretty sure he didn't want Wayne Gallman back. Um, so, yeah, it's I, – I feel better than most. But the people who wanted him fired, like, I, I don't think they're necessarily wrong. Now, some people go overboard, but um, – I feel like those – I feel like those people who wanted him fired never wanted him hired in the first place. And they are just – they've we. been building – Oh, and there's people who, yeah, th- yeah. I agree. There's people, right? But we also, right? We also gave him a chance, though. We were like, yeah. why they, why they hire him? And but from that moment on, okay, yeah, true. Go, you can go tell, like, some people will. You can tell by the way they talk about Daniel Jones. Like, oh, you don't like Jones because he is Dave Gettle. Like, he represents Dave Gettleman. Like, I'll see, like, everything that's bad, they'll point out about you know Jones. You know, every little thing, and they'll. You know, they won't like, oh, you know, a bad offensive line and bad receivers and, you know, what I think was a bad scheme. Like, those aren't excuses. Um, So, like, you can tell if someone's fair, but I think the way they talk about Daniel Jones, because Daniel Jones is kind of representation of of Dave Gettleman. Yeah, see, I think when they write his football obituary, it's going to, or put on his tombstone, it's going to say, Dave Gettleman, who drafted Barkley number two over Daniel Jones. I think that's that's the the reason they hate him, but you can tell how much they hate him. 
by what they say about Jones. Oh, yeah, I get you. I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, there's also people whose entire personality is, uh, you know, finding a way to shoehorn Saquon Barkley and Leonard Williams into any conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> um, that's really that's really kind of interesting. We're all kind of like in the middle there on on everything. Uh, and I, I think I agree. I do think that this is this is the year beyond the smell test. I think the smell test was last year. And I think everything, you know, it looked bad, but it smelled good, if that makes any sense. And, you know, especially when you consider they completely altered the offense last year when Saquon Barkley was down for the year. I mean, that's another thing with Andrew Thomas's development is, you know, halfway through, they're like, all right, we're just going to run kind of a different offense now. We, we don't really have a choice because everything was focused around this guy uh, and we don't have him. Oh, the run game totally changed, like, week five, week six. Yeah. Like, they totally – like, I remember, the, you know, through the first quarter of the season, it's like, this is like – we're running our offense like we have the Dallas Cowboys O-line of, you know, the 2010s. And it was like, and we don't. And then they started changing things up where they're pulling guys and trapping and, and doing doing different things. Like, the run game changed more than anything throughout the season. I do think Freddie Kitchens kicked Jason Garrett in the ass a little bit by the way he called that Cleveland game. Um, you saw things open up more, and then you saw all of a sudden Baltimore and Dallas were starting to expand things a little bit. And you know, we didn't we didn't have great weapons, and and Baltimore's a great defense, and we opened things up against them. Um, you know, where it's like those were the two games where I didn't have any issue with Garrett. There are other ones where where I I thought he did all right, like you know that first Eagles game on Thursday night. But it was like the the Ravens game. It's like that game wasn't Jason Garrett's fault. It's like look at the look at the first half. They had three drives because the defense was bad. One, they had a third and three, and then we had two false starts. So it ended up being third and 13. You can't expect to convert on that. The next one, Austin Mack drops a wide-open pass on third down. And then the other one where they kicked the field goal, they ran a great man-beater play in the in the end zone, and nobody beat their man coverage. So, um, you know, well, like I mean, that you, was – You a, said it right there when you said Austin Mack dropped. I mean, the, the, the talent disparity between the two teams yeah. at that time is – yeah. <laughs> I mean that that's that's Alabama week one against you know Northern Alabama. So. Yeah, we're asking Austin Mack to, like I said, a, have a man beater play, like to beat the you know winning a man route versus you know the best secondary in the NFL with the Ravens. Yeah. Um. All right. So you had, um, I guess you had media credentials to go to the Senior Bowl this year. You just did you just hop the fence or something? Well, you you. <laughs> It's pretty easy to get them. Um, I, I found out for the Senior Bowl, which is, you know, it's, it was still cool, though. Um, but I did break in the first day because it was supposed to rain, you know, and <laughs> because of COVID, they weren't going to let any people in the, in, the, in the indoor facility. And so they canceled the practice. I was like, dude, John Boy Media paid for me to come out here. I was like, I'm going to that practice. So I literally just walked in and did, like, the whole, like, um, you know, I went up to the security guard. And I was like, you know, Jim Nagy ran it. I was like, you know, I actually, it's from Trailer Park Boys. Like, like, hey, you know Jim? Jim knows you? He's like, yeah, Jim told me to go here. And so I just walked in, and I, I break in, and I well, didn't break in, obviously, but I walked in, and I've always said, if you always act like you're supposed to be doing something, act people... Act as if. You, yeah. I always say that. You, you, so you're I'm talking master too, <laughs> this, this must be like looking into your past, huh, Cranky Finn? You walk yeah, into I mean, locker rooms and stuff? Act as if. Like, hey, where am I supposed to be? Just tell me where I'm supposed to go. Exactly. It's you. I know people who have just stolen generators from like a Home Depot because they just walk in and take it and act like they're. <laughs> Bobby, I, I had the greatest scam back in the '90s in Florida football. We had 
a friend of ours worked for the athletic association and he had the word perfect, you know, the pre Microsoft word program to make media passes. So we would go to this, we go to the stadium every morning at nine o'clock on, on a Saturday. We'd see what color the media pass was on the truck. We'd go to Kinko's copy. We'd print them up. We had a whole bag of materials, like a, a hole punch and string. And we'd make these press passes. We'd just show them to the ticket taker. She'd let us in. We'd go on the field. We'd have little notepads, pretend like we're writing things. Just <laughs> act as if we walked into little, you know, go into the press, the Spurrier press conferences, go in the locker room. There's pictures of me, like, quote unquote, interviewing Riedel Anthony and I Killyard and meh. That's hilarious. That's funny. I, I, I never knew that. Um, oh, yeah. But what sucks about me is I did all that, and then like five minutes later, we get an email like, oh, it's not going to rain. We're letting people come in. It's like, oh, I just did all that, walked around back, tried, like scoured the whole place out, and then they just let everybody in. So I would, but I, I probably would have got caught eventually because I was the only person sitting in the media section for like, you know, 20 minutes. <laughs> and then I, and I did get caught because I, I walked into the, I was like, you know, I'm just going to walk to where the NFL people are sitting. And I did that, and then the guy came up, and he's like, you're, you're media. You're not supposed to be in there. But I had the media lanyard on. That's pretty funny. Now, it's a little harder nowadays because people are a little more, like, you know, aware of things. But, yeah, if you just act like – and you got to remember, it's like, like a lot of those people that are letting you in, like, they don't get paid a ton of money, you know? So they're, you know I, dude, do you think I would care if I had that job? Like, do they want hey, to that, confront you, or there's like, you know what, let me just let that guy go in. Like, he's probably hey, not going to do anything bad. This past World Series – we paid a ticket taker 500 bucks each to let us in for game five. <laughs> He's like, okay. Wow. <laughs> I, I was not a part of this. He's, to your podcast. He said we, that wasn't me. <laughs> Cranky, I enjoy <laughs> listening to your podcast after Rays lost the most. Cause you get, you on a Rays rant is beautiful. Like you, you articulate them beautifully. So well, you know, you know um, what it is, Bobby, I'll tell you what it is. It's like, I have the same level of frustration, like for every sport when my teams don't do well, but baseball I don't know whether it's just you, you wait around for 30 seconds before the next play or not. And it's just, it's just for some reason. And maybe just because there's so much failure in baseball, you know, the, the best hitter makes out, you know, 70% of the time. And I just get so frustrated, especially this fucking team. that I watch these rays, they <laughs> drive me up. A, they drive me up a wall with the incompetence. Sometimes I just can't take it. And, you know, I'm still married because there's Twitter, because otherwise my wife would hear me every night complaining about, you know, they can't get a third out. They, 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 they all this not. See, I'm getting annoyed already just even talking about it. But I know yeah. I'm glad I brought it up. And so yeah, I, I love hearing you rant about the race. Twitter, Twitter is my outlet where I, I maybe maybe Gator football. I do it. And sometimes with the Giants, but I'm usually just too wrapped up. But baseball is just kind of like it's that daily soap opera. And you're just sitting there and you're watching it and you're on the couch. and It's just like. That son of a bitch walked that guy. I can't believe it. And then, <laughs> and then I get set up, and then, and then for the next half hour, I'm just, I'm in a zone. So I'm glad you enjoy it. <laughs> it keeps me sane. <laughs> it, it, should I have mortgaged any time to you guys argue Nets Knicks or are we are we? Here's what I will say, and obviously it's not no everybody, but yeah. I am getting so tired of the nobody cares about the Nets thing. Because it's gotten to the point where that's being said so much. It's like, well, can you stop talking about us? And obviously, I'll, I'll dig in a little bit. Like, you know, there's the the clip of the of the Knicks fans outside after they beat. I can't remember who they played on Saturday. Yelling, Fuck the Nets. I'm like, look, that's who you guys think about. So, like, we all admit we don't have a ton of fans. It's like, yeah, we will never be the most popular team in New York. We might be the most popular team in the NBA right now. But it's like, as a, and especially me, who was like, 
I wish they stayed in New Jersey. Like, I still wish they were called the New Jersey Nets. Like, all I care about is winning. Like, I could care less about... Like, when we do play the Knicks, it always means a little more to win that game. But all I... I just want to win a freaking championship. Like, I don't care how we get there. I've won championships with my baseball team in the Yankees, my hockey team the Devils, and my football team the Giants. I just want to experience what an NBA championship feels like. Same here. I mean, I've been a, I've been a Knicks fan since 1979, since... Pearl Monroe's last year and Red Holtzman is last year's coach. And I've never seen a championship for it. I mean, the thing that people have to realize is there is no Knicks Nets rivalry. They've never both been good at the same time. Yeah, but I do, but there is just like a, you know, like a stomping grounds, like, like, like the Jets Giants Jets isn't a huge rivalry, but I do think it's, you know, they only play once every four years, but I do think it, there's a reason that our fans chirp at each other. When you said like, we never, like, We'd never really been good at the same time. Which, I mean, like, I remember, like, you guys were, like, the eight seed when we were, like, the one seed, like, way, like, in, like, 03, and we played 2004, the yeah, yeah. Yeah, 2004. I think that was the first, that was the year we lost to the Pistons in game seven. And then, um, in 90, and like, in 93, or 90, uh, 90, 94, we were a one and you were an eight, and we beat you through. But it was just like, oh, it's the Nets. Like, it could have been the Kansas City Nets for, you know, all the real, like the, the neighborhood rivalry stuff, which now they're trying to make out as this big backyard brawl and everything. And it's like, the only way that's really going to be a real rivalry, this is chirping is nice, but we got to play in a series and it's got to go six and it's got to be, you know, a, a buzzer beater. There's got to be a fight. There's got to be some stuff to really make it a rivalry. And I, I hope so. I, I want the Knicks, to, I want the Nets to do well because I think it'd be the greatest thing for this town is having a Knicks next real rivalry. I mean, Jets, Giants, they hardly ever play each other. Yeah. Yankees, Mets, you know, every time they play, it's, it's the Subway Series, lost its, you know, glamour. No no one cares yeah. about that anymore. That was such a cool moment, though, Yankees, Mets, World Series. Like, that was like, you know, I remember the World Series before that vaguely, but that was the first one that's in my mind. because like our family was, at, you know, at each other's throats about the Yankees and the Mets. We watched it at, at uh, a couple of games up at stands up across from the Yankee Stadium. And I'm, you know, I hate the Yankees and, you know, I. I could care less about the Mets, but it was just, I wanted to see what it was going to be really like. And that was the game when um, Clemens threw the bat at Piazza. I, oh, yeah, I remember that. That yeah. iconic moment from it. It was like, I, I mean, and that rivalry, just those two last, remember when the, Clemens, his first year with Houston, he was the all-star game opener or starter. And he just was getting rung up. And it was like a conspiracy theory that Piazza was tipping off the pitches to the batters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's so, yeah. a rivalry. That yeah. makes a rivalry. Things like that. But yeah, yeah. But but so if we, now there's a chance they play in the second round. We'll see. My biggest fear is not that the Knicks will. You know, I you know, I don't think it's a hot take to think that as a Nets fan, I'm not worried about the Nets. <laughs> but my biggest fear is that you guys take Game One. You know, because those happen all the time where the underdog takes Game One. That's my biggest fear is that throughout that 48 hours that I lose my entire Giants audience because I'm just going to war with Knicks fans. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, we will have an emergency podcast if we beat you in game one of the Eastern Conference. Semis. And, and I know be- the feeling. Like, when we beat the Sixers a couple years ago in game one, oh, I was talking so much shit. I was like, we're going to beat this team. Embiid is soft. Simmons can't. Like, I, oh, I, like, was, I remember just being like, we, and not just saying it. Like, I believed it in my mind. Like, we were going to beat the Sixers in this series, and then we lost in five games, and they well, were healthy <laughs> you remember back when the first round used to be best of five and then that one year the lakers were like going to be a a six or seven seed and they changed the rules mid-season 
to make the first round seven because they just didn't want the Lakers to be out so early. So it, it a, a best of seven series, the best team wins nine out of ten times. Yeah, so, it, ninety nine out of a hundred. Yeah, yeah. That's so what, it, it sucks because you don't have those like upset moments. But it is nice. It's like you know what? We're probably gonna get the true champion every year. Exactly. Yeah. I'm. I have nothing to contribute to any of this other than <laughs> I, when I was a kid, I had a Keith Van Horn jersey and a Stefan Marbury jersey. Keith Van Horn, I love it. Stefan Marbury, he got, he got me Jason Kidd, so I always have thank. I'm always thankful for the Marbury. That's like when we, you know, we did that podcast last summer, and and me and Crank, we just like talked about the Florida Gators basketball teams for like five to ten minutes. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I, I was fully prepared well, to let you guys go at each other's throats, but that was fairly civil. <laughs> Another another quick sidebar, uh, your take on Mike White, because now we've lost every Giant fan. But let's just <laughs> You're talking about the – see, I didn't w- watch um, – that's the guy we just signed from, like, the Suns or whatever, right? Or, or the Mike – No, Gant- no, 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 the, no, Mike White, the, the, the Gator basketball coach. Oh, so, yeah, I'm not plugged into, ba- into the Gators as much as I used to be, man. Oh, I, okay. I, I, I don't get into college sports like I used to. You know, I pay attention to college football, but basketball – um, I should have known that now that you said it. I thought you were talking about Mike James, the guy the Nets just signed. Oh, no, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, it's I, it's it's not been the same since Billy Donovan left. I think that's when I kind of checked out. That year we went to the Elite Eight with Will You Get was our our fourth. That year mm-hmm. he, I went to high – he was like in my, my senior class. Oh, so nice. I, really, I kept up to the then. And I think after that I just I just don't have the time to watch college basketball like I used to. Florida is not a basketball school. Florida had a once in a lifetime situation where they hired a young coach who all of a sudden became elite while he was there and stayed for 18 years. And we won championships. And we went to final fours with him. So a lot of the Gator fan base who, again, basketball is not that big in the state of Florida. Anyway, they think it's like, Oh, well, he's our Spurrier. We should get the next guy should be the next Spurrier should be the next Billy Donovan. Don't work that way in Florida. We are not plugged into the AAU circuit. We don't have a big booster fan base. We you know the the O Dome is a relative piece of shit compared to other places in the SEC and college football. So their expectation is we should be at least in the Sweet 16 every year or fire the coach. You know, and never mind that Mike White makes the tournament every year. He's a we have the longest run of any team in the SEC going to the uh, into the tournament. But you know. Gator basketball fans, alumni, students, they all want to fire him, and the rest of the country thinks he's a great coach. So it's well, that's just, just sports in general now. It's like if you're not winning the championship every year, get fired. Like, here's something, and um, we can finish off on this because I do have to go at eight, but mm-hmm. everyone loves Joe Judge right now, right? If we don't win games next year or we get off to a slow start, I guarantee you people are going to be calling for Joe Judge to fire they all, everyone will deny it now, but I guarantee you everything that they said nice about them the last, you know, 12 months now will go out the window and they will want Joe Judge fired. No, you know, it's, it's going to be first. It's going to be the, I don't think he's the guy that we thought he was. That'll be this year. Next year will be the, I think we need to move on from him. It, it, <laughs> yeah. it always works in cycles because we once drove back from eight and oh, there you got to go. But driving back from Baton Rouge in Florida, just beat LSU. And we listened to the call-in show, and somebody called in and said, I don't think this guy Saban might be the right guy for the job. Well, they won nine in a row after that game, won the national title that year, and he's won eight since. So it's you're right. It's fandom 101. It's, there's a honeymoon period. It's very quickly. Then you get those doubts, and then you're done. So I hope – 
or Joe Judge's say we don't start off in the toilet again or anything. And we need we need the wind at our sails, not headwinds against. We have to stop pissing in the wind all the time with yeah. these coaches and everything. And and I noticed this because you know last year was the first year like I really got into this where I was on social media and stuff. Um, you know, I was, I was on a little bit the year before, but not as engaged. And I realized it when now moving on from Pat Shermer. Now that we have Judge, looks like the right decisions. But I remember Daniel Jones first two games two and zero. I mean, he's running this offense Shermer well. And then we lost to the Vikings, and people are like, "We need to fire Pat Shermer." I was like, "I was like, what?" I was like, "Did we not just see how the first couple of weeks went with this brand new QB who you all hated, by the way?" And it was like, "And like, did you see how we lost?" It was like. Shep dropped two touchdowns. He missed Shepard on another touchdown. It was like this was like a team loss. And we had John Hillman playing running back, who I I have a theory that he is the worst starting running back the Giants have ever had in my <laughs> lifetime was John Hillman. Um and it was like you want him fired after that game against a good Vikings team? You were describing the feeling that like spurred the reason for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Was to like right curb on. this like level of just insane hot t- like just flipping on a dime totally different opinion overnight kind of thing was like okay everybody needs to pump the brakes i think we need to like make a podcast to tell i was blown out. away at it but now i just expect it at this point and i try and i try and you know ignore it as much as i can oh my goal for this podcast and i would never been able to articulate what i wanted to say and i think i figured it out now is Sports is much about conversation and debate and argument among fans. And I want our fans to be the smartest fans in the NFL. And I'm not saying I'm a genius. I'm very far from it. Grunt might be a genius, but you know, but I want you, when you have a debate with another team, don't shoot hot takes. Don't say things that you read in the paper that morning. Don't, don't say what Mike Francesa told you be rational and think about what you're saying so you can win an argument with anybody about anything. doesn't mean we're the best team in the league, but at least you don't sound like the dumbest person talking about the team. And I think we, we try to do on this show is try to keep people like, a, a perspective of like, we're not out there with the knives trying to fire the coach, but like, or Gettleman. It's like, well, here's why we think this is kind of working or maybe why it isn't. And then that way you can think more level-headedly. So when you get into that barroom discussion or you're sitting in the stadium next to some meathead, you can out talk him and make you you win that that debate, Bobby. Before you go, I'm just gonna put a gun to your head. Fun. Okay, <laughs> that's a true talking giants moment right there. <laughs> in, in any round, who is the guy that you're secretly hoping becomes a giant for any reason? Chasserat, man. I've been I've towed the line. I love Chasserat. I think it'd be a perfect fit. If I, I would hope for round three, but is he's just like. He's at the point where he's. If we got him, people would be congratulating me. That's how much I like Chaz Surratt. <laughs> I think I think you're right. You were you were the first one I saw on him. So, Grump, do I even have to say who mine is? Yeah, your, yours is Kyle Pitts. You've been pining for a, a first round. I mean, I guess any Gator, but I remember the Dante Fowler talk, and you know. Yeah, but this is you know this is probably the best one to come out of the draft, and you know. 15 years. So, hey, I know you enjoyed that clip of Stone uh, Forsyth, you know, just stonewalling Aziz Ojulari the other day that I put out. Uh, yeah, we, we, we had our own conversation about Stone Forsyth. I think, on, <laughs> was that on the air? I don't, I can't remember now if that was. I think I remember you guys talked about the wide receivers. You talked about Tony. So, I, yeah. I can't remember, and Pitts. I can't remember if you talked about Stone. Yeah. My, we talked a little about him. My, 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 my favorite guy that I just 
he's not the best, but I just Quinn Miners, man. I would love Quinn Miners next to Nick Gates with Cullen Gillespie at fullback. The three of them together just seems like so much fun to me. For sure. All right, guys, I actually do have to run at eight. I wish we could go longer, but I, I'm going on with that dummy Copezzle. I told him I'd go on at eight. So, <laughs> um, I didn't realize you were actually doing that. Yeah, yeah. So I, 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 I love you guys. Thank you for having me on. I can't wait to retweet this in the morning and, and tell people to listen. Thanks. Thanks for thanks for being here, Bobby. And you can find him on Talking Giants. See you guys. Later, man. Talk to you later. So be sure to download and subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, wherever, um, where you can get more awesome content like that. Hopefully in the future we'll have Bobby back on, and hopefully we can get Justin next time too. He was unavailable for this one, but that's that's cool. And in the in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump. Catch me as always at the Cranky Fan. And Grump, I believe we may have some more guests this week. We do. We do have more guests. Let's leave that as a little tease. And yeah. you'll, have to, you'll have to subscribe to find out who the next guest will be in, <laughs> in our draft week bonanza. Or, or just follow me on Twitter. That'll work too. So. Oh, yeah. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. We will see you next time. Go, Go Giants. Giants.